0: you guys about something that I'm actually really excited to talk about. Um, I may seem a little unqualified to talk about it, but the good news is I don't have to be qualified because we are going to look tonight really, really plainly at what God's Word says. We're starting a new series tonight called, What Does the Bible Say? Or What Does God Say? Because you should really base what you believe off of what God says. To be really honest, what you believe should not be based off anything that I tell you. Now, we are really blessed to go to a good church where we can trust our pastors and you can trust Amzie and I to tell you what the Bible says, but when I'm at church and I hear something and I kind of think, you know, I don't really know much about that, or like where is that in the Bible? I go home and I do my own homework, not to try and prove them wrong, but to really see, you know what, God is saying something about this and I'm not sure I know exactly what he says. So the topics we want to talk about are things that we really need to look at the Bible and say, What does God actually say about this? Not just what does the church say, or what do my friends say, or what does my family say, but what does God say? And I want to talk tonight about drinking and drugs, and I want to talk next week about sex. And I want to make it really clear that I'm not just bringing these up as like typical high school topics, okay? Sometimes I got the vibe when I was in high school, (laughs) you know, I'm just making it clear. I don't think you guys like, I'm not like, oh, high schoolers, you know all they want to do is just drink and have sex. Sometimes that like vibe came across though when I was hearing some of this stuff and I was in high school and I was just like I'm homeschooled and I'm not trying to do either one of those things I literally don't even have the opportunity so (laughs) it's not really an issue here. (laughs) But the point is I grew up sort of just thinking those are bad things we don't do them. But when I got older You know, and I started hearing things from other people and hearing things in the culture. It really forced me to go to my Bible and say, okay, in my mind, you know, I feel like I heard these things are bad. At church, I heard these things are bad. But what does the Bible actually say? Like, I don't know. What does the Bible really say? What does it really say sex was made for? Why does it say it is important to use it properly? Why does it say it's a very, very good thing and a gift from God? You know, I didn't know these things. So this is what I want to do in this series. Like I said, I'm not trying to just talk to you about typical high school topics, because if I can be really honest, my adult friends outside of church, these are the things that are tripping them up too. You know what they come in Monday morning and they're all like tore up about? The drinking and the sex that happened in their life that weekend that they planned for or didn't plan for or were going to plan for. These are the things that trip adults up too. So please don't take this as I'm talking down to you or I'm just trying to be intense about these like bad things because that's not how I look at this at all. But these are really, really big things. And listen, social media and the culture is telling us a whole lot about this stuff. So it is so important for us to actually go to the Bible and see what the Bible says about these things because it has a lot to say. So tonight we're going to start with drinking. And drugs. (laughs) Which, Chloe, do you mind standing up just for a second? This is like the perfect shirt to wear for this. Raise your hand. Now, this is going to be like quarry leaders only probably. If you have seen or owned this shirt. Yeah, we got this at like a children's conference in elementary. It says the Holy Ghost will take the chicken out of you. That shirt is at least 20 years old. But please, let's give her a round of applause for that shirt. I owned that shirt, and I wish I still did, but I don't anymore. So before we really, really get going tonight, I'm going to give you three scriptures that really inspired this whole series about why we need to know what God says on these topics. And the first one is found in Isaiah chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 20 through 23. Because I'm not trying to be super intense again. But if you can't tell, the world is getting like super wild. I'm not like an end times expert, but I would say we're like getting toward the end of the times. And so these are some scriptures that God tells us and kind of gives us a heads up. Like, hey, the world's going to get real crazy. This is what's going to happen. And then this is what you need to do. So in Isaiah 5, doom to you who call evil good and good evil. Okay, who can name this movie quote? Doom on you. Doom on you. Yeah, two girls got it. Ice Age. The first Ice Age, of course. So literally all week when I've been reading this scripture, (laughs) that's what I hear. It's like, the last melon. And then those little birds saying doom on you. Because that's what God is saying in this verse. Doom on you who call evil good and good evil. And that is happening right now. Not just in the world, but in the church. There is a lot of church people, and I'm not saying this critically of them, but they're deceived. The devil has been able to change their thinking, and they're calling things that are evil good and things that are good evil so doom to you who call evil good and good evil who put darkness in place of light and light in place of darkness who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Doomed to you it is good CJ thank you Doom to you who think you're so smart who hold such high opinions of yourselves all you're good at is drinking champion boozers. Wow <laughs> I should have gave away a shirt tonight that's a champion boozer <laughs> and then promptly got fired from my roll of the quarry. <laughs> Those of you who collect trophies from drinking bouts and then line your pockets with bribes from the guilty while you violate the rights of the innocent. So these scriptures were kind of taking an intense way of just saying, hey, there are gonna be a lot of people who look at the good things of God and they call it evil. And they look at the evil things of the devil and they call it good. God is saying, pay attention, don't be deceived. He said, don't think you're so smart that you know everything. And that's been a good word for me. Let me not think I'm so smart that I could never be deceived. I need to keep going back to the word and make sure that I am calling what God does good and what the devil does bad. And I'm not getting that mixed up. And a second key verse we'll look at tonight is in Romans chapter 6, verse 15. And I'm going to apologize. Well, not really apologize. I'll just give you guys a heads up. I have like nine scriptures tonight, it's a lot. But the whole point of this is to really look at the Bible and see what the Bible says. So it's going to be good. Romans 15 says, What then are we to conclude? Shall we sin because we live under law? Or excuse me, because we live not under the law, but under God's favor and mercy? Certainly not. So this is another thing that I've really been thinking about lately. God is so gracious and so merciful, but sometimes there is such a a twisted message in the church that says God's mercy just covers everything. You know, come as you are. Both of those statements are true. God's mercy covers everything, and you can come as you are. But the whole point of grace, which I don't have time to talk about in its entirety tonight, is that you and I can live above sin. Grace doesn't mean I have a free pass to sin because God's going to forgive me. That is true. God will always forgive me, but my life will be a wreck because sin is destructive. So grace came to give us a way to live above sin and live where God has made us to be, not down here just using God's grace cheaply, saying it's a free pass to mess up you can do that all you want but your life will be a mess and it'll be hard the bible says the way of the sinner is hard you can sin you can do whatever you want just like i can but it's going to be hard so grace allows me to easily rise above that sin where god has created me to be and the last verse is kind of a foundation for where we're going to go tonight next week is in first timothy chapter four Verse 1 says, the Holy Spirit has explicitly revealed at the end of this age, which is like right now, many will depart from the true faith one after another, devoting themselves to spirits of deception and following demon-inspired revelations and theories. And I don't know if you guys have noticed because some of the people who have done this have been kind of people who were more well-known like in the early 2000s, so they may not have been on your radar but i have been super shocked by the number of like christian leaders who have come forward and and renounced their faith or done things like said they're deconstructing their faith i don't even know what that means basically they're turning from god and they're saying i don't know if this is true anymore you know i don't i don't know if this is really what i believe and You know, it's really just kind of jarring because those were people that I thought would never do that. And so in my mind, I think I would never do that. But that was kind of a wake-up call saying, you know what? If you give the devil an inroad, he can really twist the thinking of just about anyone. So let's be diligent to continue to look at the word of God so that I cannot be deceived and I will never turn away from the truth and from the goodness of God. Because if I give the devil an inch, he's going to take a mile. So that's kind of the whole point of this series tonight is to really strengthen you guys so that no matter what you see at your school and, and in the world and in the culture, you know what's good and you know what's evil and you know why you believe what you believe. So we're going to talk tonight about drinking. And like I said earlier, you know, in high school, I probably just would have said like, yeah, the Bible says don't drink. And that was kind of all I knew. And really, that's not actually what the Bible says. So let's take a look and see what it does say. It outlines some very clear rules, guidelines, laws for us. But it's so much deeper and more thought out than I realized, because God is not a God who just hands us a rule. He hands us a why. He shows us that it's not a restriction, but it's something to keep you safe. You know, to keep you safe and to keep you from harm. God is not keeping you from good things and from fun things. He's keeping you from harm. But if we choose to look at things the wrong way, sometimes all we see is the rule and we don't see the protection. And we don't see the grace and we don't see the mercy behind that of God trying to save us from a bunch of junk. So the first thing I want to say tonight about drinking, and this is from the Bible, drinking alcohol is unwise. If you're taking notes, drinking alcohol is unwise. A really simple statement, but we can see support for this in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. It says, wine is a mocker and strong drink. It means alcohol there. If you look it up in the original language, a riotous brawler. Whoever errs or reels because of it is not wise. So the bottom line is that drinking alcohol and being drunk is not wise. Wise. It's a slippery slope. And the Bible is very clear that we are to be wise. He gave us a whole book, the book of Proverbs, that basically says, use wisdom be smart. Be aware so that the devil doesn't trip you up. We are called to be wise. We're also called to have the mind of Christ, which says that I think the way God thinks. And I'm not born that way. I have to work and renew my mind to get there. But we're to think the way God thinks. And if God tells me that drunkenness is unwise, then I'm staying as far away from it as I can. And let me use this as an example. My family went to the Grand Canyon a long time ago (laughs) And there are signs everywhere that say, don't get too close to the edge. But there's not actually anything to keep you from getting too close to the edge. If you go to the Grand Canyon, you may walk off the edge if you want, no one's gonna stop you. There's not many rails, there's not security people, there's not park rangers, you're on your own. They gave you signs and said, hey, don't get close to the edge, but you can do it if you want to. But it's dangerous. I did not get anywhere close to the edge of the Grand Canyon because I didn't want to fall off the edge, right? <laughs> it would have been super unwise of me to visit the Grand Canyon. One member of my family did this. I'm not going to say who. And walk right up to the edge and turn their back to the edge and say, hey, take a photo. Oh. My, that family member's not in this room. It's not shade toward my brothers. It's hilarious. It was one of my parents. Right up to the edge. And me and the other parent who were not on the edge were like, take the photo quick. Oh, my gosh because this person was very close to the edge, unwise, unwise, but you know what, they could go right up to the edge of the Grand Canyon, because they can do whatever they want, but honestly, that's how I view drinking, the Bible says, be wise, it says, do not be drunk, I can drink without getting drunk, correct? Correct. But even still, when the Bible is telling me that drunkenness is unwise, I'm not even going to head in that direction. Just like I'm not going to creep up on the edge of the Grand Canyon because it's unsafe, I'm not going to entertain alcohol at all because it can be unsafe. And if God tells me that is unwise and that's something to stay away from, I'm not going to toe the line and try and catch God on a technicality and be like, well... He says don't get drunk, but he didn't say don't drink. I'm not going to do that. I want to be safe, and I want to be wise, so I'm going to keep that at a far, far distance. And many people have ruined their lives by drinking, because what's really the point of drinking? To get drunk, right? Nobody's really like, I'm so excited for this party tonight. I'm going to have one beer and a lot of water and go home. Nobody says that. People drink to get drunk drunk that's the point point. and if being drunk is the point and Bible the Bible says that is not good for me then I'm not even gonna touch it I am not going to drink because I don't ever want to be drunk because God says that is not wise and it's destructive and it'll bring things into your life that you don't want God has created a higher way for us to live and I want to look at Romans chapter 14 next and I'm not trying to be too intense with this But sometimes people are just looking for excuses and ways to get away. And it's like, well, sure, you can creep up to the edge of the Grand Canyon if you want to. But there might be a headline in the paper the next day that you fell off and died. You know, so many people have gotten drunk and done things that they never intended to do. They did not start the night out planning to do those things. But they did in the end because it's unwise. It's a slippery slope. And in Romans 14, there's something great that I want to highlight here. Verse 20 says, you must not for the sake of food undo and break down and destroy the work of God. This is the important part. For everything is indeed clean and pure, but it is wrong for anyone to hurt the conscience of others or to make them fall by what he eats or what he drinks, I think. So I actually don't need to read those other verses. I'm going to read it in a different translation here. It says, do not for the sake of food tear down the work of God. All things indeed are clean, but they are wrong for the person who eats and offends another's conscience in the process. Um, So, to be honest, I think I didn't bring the right version of this scripture, (laughs) but it's no biggie. I'll tell you what it said in another translation that I was reading. It was basically saying, you can eat and drink whatever you want, but it's wrong if you cause someone else to stumble or to be weak spiritually. Another translation I was reading said to be weak spiritually. So here's the thing I want to bring out. The Bible tells us that drinking is unwise in Proverbs and many times throughout the Old Testament, but the New Testament takes it a step further and is really reminding me that my actions affect others. It's not wise for me to drink, but even further, it's an expression of my love for you when I don't drink. So it goes beyond just me. Because I love you guys, I'm not going to set an example that might take you down a dark path. Because here's the thing, like we said earlier, you can drink and not be drunk. And guess what? Maybe I can drink and not be drunk. Let's say that for the sake of example. But maybe you can't. More people are prone to addiction. People who are alcoholics never set out to be alcoholics, right? They didn't predict that. I don't know what you can handle. I know what I can handle. So maybe I can drink a glass of wine, one and done, and I'm good. But maybe you see me do that, and you go do that, and you can't be one and done, and you're not good at the end. And it starts to have a stronghold in your life. This is an example of why it is an extension of my love for you for me to set that example of saying, you know what, maybe I could do this, but if it's going to hurt you, I'm not going to. I will not do it because it might cause you to trip up. Doesn't mean that you're less strong than me. Maybe it just means you're prone to different things than me. But I will not do it because I love you and because I care about you. Maybe I can drink and be fine but maybe you can't. And like I said no one ever set out to be an alcoholic right? I would never set that example because I love you and I don't know what that would do in your life. And maybe I'm big enough to handle it but maybe you can't right now right? Or not specifically you but people you know. So if it's unwise for me to drink that that's one thing, but it could be deadly for some people to drink. I'm not willing to trip you up just so I can have a glass of wine and like look cool at dinner with my friends. You know what I'm saying? I hope that I'm showing you, you know, I I just want to encourage you to look at things maturely and just say, you know, just because I can do something doesn't mean that I need to. And really, I'm at a place where I'm like, I can do something, sure, but is it actually helping me? You know, we're going to take it a step further The second thing I want to show you is that really, why do I want to drink anyway? Drinking is the world's way to achieve peace, not God's way to achieve peace. Drinking is a band-aid. It's a cheap, ineffective solution to an underlying issue or desire that God really designed me to seek him about. So can I say, I can drink but not get drunk and be right? Okay, maybe maybe you can say that and find scriptural support for that. But I would counter that by saying, why do you want to drink? What is the issue that you're trying to fix? Is that how you relax? Is that how you have fun? Is that how you shut your mind off for a second? Is that how you feel like you fit in with your friends? Why do you want to drink? Because really, every one of those reasons I just listed are issues that you need to go to God and get fixed. God has provided a higher way to address all of those things so that alcohol absolutely does not need to be involved and none of the side effects will be present in your life. God has made a higher way. And he demonstrates this for us in... Galatians chapter 5. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So he's saying these are things that are part of your sinful nature and my sinful nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures idolatry sorcery hostility quarreling jealousy outbursts of anger selfish ambition dissension division verse 21 envy drunkenness wild parties and other sins like these let me tell you again as i have before that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of god what is he saying drinking and partying and being drunk. That is part of a sinful nature. Now you and I are all born into a sinful nature because of Adam's sin. When we're born, we're separated from God. So we have these sinful desires as part of our nature that we have to reconcile once we receive Jesus and we're made new. But you and I are born with those sinful desires and sinful nature. So you don't need to feel guilty for feeling pressure. That's just your flesh and that's your sinful nature. However, we see that drunkenness is a result of that we're all born with it but when we receive Jesus we're made new and we're set free and verse 22 which we didn't read shows us the results of living out of our spirit the opposite of our sinful nature so God is using these verses to say hey This is where you started. You were born like this. Drunkenness, wild parties, idolatry, jealousy, gossiping, blah, 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 blah. That is the sinful nature. But that's also what Jesus has pulled us out of. And if Jesus died to make me free from my sinful nature, I don't want to fool with anything that's part of that. Drunkenness, wild parties, I don't want to touch that. That's part of a sinful nature. And that's not who I am. That's living so far below who Jesus died for me to be. He literally died for us to be free and died for us to be able to live out of our spirit and have a new life. So I'm not going to fool with anything that looks like it came from my old man because that's not who I am and that's not who I want to be and that is living so far below who Jesus created me to be. But he does give us the solution. Instead of drinking, what should we do? If drinking is the world's lo- solution and that is my sinful nature, then what is God's solution? And we can find it in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be ever filled with and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. So, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled by the Holy Spirit. That is the alternative. That is the solution. The Bible is telling us the world's way to deal with stress and anxiety and, and nervousness is to drink. Drinking, being filled with wine. But God's saying, my way for you to overcome those things is to be filled with the Spirit. The Bible super clearly shows us what to do. Be filled with the Holy Spirit instead of drinking. God doesn't just say, don't do something. He says, I have a better solution. I have a better option for you. Being filled with With the Holy Spirit is the best way to unwind and to relax and to have fun and to shut our mind off. Do you know how many people tell me they need a glass of wine or they need to drink or they need to smoke or do whatever just to shut their mind off and quiet their mind? And God has made such a beautiful way for us to do that. When we pray in tongues and we pray out of our spirit, we're bypassing our mind and shutting our mind down. So many worldly people are calling out. They know exactly what they need. They say, I need to turn my mind off. God says, I got you. Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues will shut your mind down and bring you that peace. When you can't stop and your anxiety is there, when you're nervous going into a situation, pray in tongues. I was sitting at my desk at work today praying in tongues. What was I doing? Shutting my mind down. I needed a little peace in that moment. The praying in tongues and living out of our spirit is the best way to achieve those things that we need. It's not to fault you for needing them. We all need peace. We all need to shut our mind down, but we need to do it the right way, the effective way, and the way that God has created us to do that. We need peace. We crave that feeling of being carefree, and if we pray in the spirit, we will find what we're craving. We'll find that. Now listen, the world does not paint that as an exciting option. Okay, so this is where me and you are going to have to be mature and say, I have two options and I need to choose the better one, even if I don't think that's the one that most people want me to choose or that's the one that's going to be cool or that's the one that I'm really going to feel like doing in that moment. It's the best option. And once you get used to living out of your spirit. It becomes so easy, and you can't even be fooled by counterfeit stuff. You couldn't pay me to drink alcohol because I know there's nothing in it for me. I want God, and I want the Holy Ghost, and I want the peace that comes from him, not something that's fake and that's fleeting and that's damaging. So I want to kind of wrap up tonight, the end part here, and talk about drugs for a second because we can all, you know, it's like common knowledge that drugs are not healthy, They're bad for you, right? So I don't really have to argue that fact with you tonight. They're destructive. Your body was not made to ingest that stuff. They're damaging. However, people still do it, so we need to talk about it. Just because we know something is bad for us is not enough to stop us from doing it sometimes. I've done things that I know are bad for me, and I still did them anyway, made that choice all on my own. So just the knowledge and your fifth grade D.A.R.E. program is not enough to keep you out of that stuff. So I want to no 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 shade to dare. I appreciate what they're trying to do, but <laughs> we need to know what the Bible says. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, here's a great verse. Everything is permissible, allowable and lawful for me. But not all things are helpful, good for me to do, expedient and profitable. Everything is lawful for me, but I will not become the slave. What is he saying? I can do anything that I want, but I'm not going to become a slave to anything or be brought under its power. I love the end of that. Another translation said, I will not be enslaved by anything and brought under its power, allowing it to control me. This verse is telling us you can do whatever you want, but it doesn't mean it's good for you. And again, I'm going to bring you back to wisdom. What does wisdom say? I will not touch something that has the potential to enslave me. Drugs are addictive. I will not touch something that has the potential to enslave me. That verse tells us I can do whatever I want, but not all things are good for me to do. And I'm not going to fool with things that I know can tangle me up and trip me up. I'm not going to mess with something, whether it's drinking or drugs, because those things have the power to be addictive. And the Bible is telling us, be wise, You can do whatever you want, but stay away from things that are designed to entrap you. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about marijuana and, you know, is it a drug? Is it not a drug? God created it. It's a plant. It's natural. I'm not going to spend a lot of time debating the politics of that with you tonight, but I'll bring you back to the same thing we said earlier, which is to say, why do you need that? The people that I know that smoke pot have crazy anxiety, super high anxiety they got to do it just to relax or they got to do it just to sleep or they got to do it just to calm down and unwind at the end of the day but again there's a better way God has made a higher way for me and you to do that in a way that's effective and that's lasting so that my anxiety can't even touch me anymore it used to be a problem I used to have to address it all the time but now I'm free from that because the effects of the spirit are everlasting they don't wear off this is how people get into trouble right you only Stay drunk for so long and you have to drink again, or you only stay high for so long and you have to smoke again, or you have to take something again. But what the Holy Ghost does in you is something that's lasting and that keeps going and it doesn't wear off. And I'm still feeling the effects of it the next day and the next night and the next day and the next night. It's not something that's fleeting, it's lasting. So I'm not here to debate whether or not marijuana is a drug or not. I'm just bringing you back to the fact that there is a better lasting way for you to achieve what you need and you'll find freedom you're not just going to find peace for a moment or a good night of sleep for one night you're going to find lasting freedom because you were created for freedom in Galatians 5 1 we're going to wrap up in this verse tonight the passion says let me be clear the anointed one has set us free not partially but completely and wonderfully free We must always cherish cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. So that's what I want to charge you guys with tonight. You were made for freedom. Jesus came and set you free, but it's up to you whether or not you stay free. So I want to encourage you, whether it's alcohol or drugs or smoking weed, at some point in your life, you will have the opportunity to do these things. I was a homeschooled high schooler, and still when I was 17 years old, someone tried to hand me a glass of wine. It was a group of adults. It was a situation where I did not expect that to happen at all. I didn't go to a party that I wasn't supposed to be that. I didn't go to something that I thought was going to be bad. But still at 17, I was given that opportunity. You're going to get that opportunity at some point, too, whether you want it or not. And it's so important to come back to knowing what do. What does the Bible say, and why do I believe what I believe? You know, I'm not just listening to somebody at church tell me I shouldn't drink. I really know what God says, and I know why it's best for me to stay away from that, and I know what to do instead to get the help that I need. So don't go back into bondage. That scripture said, refuse to go back into the bondage of your past. Jesus has set you free, and I want to charge you tonight to walk in wisdom and walk in the Spirit, because if you do, You will be so free that the temptation of any drugs and and alcohol can't, can't hold a candle to you. Those things don't tempt me in the least, but that's because I have found such freedom in Jesus, and I know how to get the peace I need from his spirit. Amen? Well, I love you guys so much tonight. You guys were great. I love you. I know that was a little bit of a different message, but I do encourage you to go home and look at those scriptures and look up more scriptures if you need to. You know, I like I said, even as an adult, sometimes if I hear something in church and I'm thinking... I don't really know where the Bible says that or like, does the Bible say that? I go home and my, I find it in my own Bible so that I can let God speak to me and show me what he really says. So I want to encourage you to go home, look at these scriptures, think about these scriptures, understand why God is telling us these things and really, really renew your mind to the way that he thinks so that you can't be caught up uh, by the, anything the devil would try to bring you. So I'm going to pray and we can go hang out outside. We are going to have a little bit of a project. Miss Marsha is going to show up in a little bit, and we're going to help her carry some stuff, but I'll let you guys know when that's going to happen, and until then, we can just hang out outside, mask-free. So... Father, we are so grateful tonight for the way that you have provided peace for us and for the freedom that you have brought to us, Father. And we are grateful um, to see the light from your word tonight, Father, that shows us we can remain free. We don't have to go back into bondage and we don't have to address issues in our life the way the world does and experience that damage. Father, we thank you that you have made a way for us to live out of your spirit and to live in complete freedom every single day, Father. And we are so grateful for the light and for the revelation of